Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. yesterday. It happened over a period of time. And the thing that has been, I think, the hardest as a business owner is it's important to create an environment where your people thrive and they want to be able to bring services to their customer. And my job is to make it easy for my producers to take it to their customer. Hi, friends. I'm Bobby Lehu, the Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew. And today's episode continues our release of all the talks given at SKUCon in Las Vegas. Today's SKUcast features Janie Gauntz, president and CEO of Grapevine Designs, one of the most successful creative agency distributorships in the business, located in the Kansas City area. Janie started Grapevine in 2000. Grapevine Designs was honored as best places to work by the Kansas City Business Journal. They consistently rank as one of the top women-owned businesses in Kansas City, and they've earned eight top industry awards from PPAI. Janie, a graduate of KU, is active in the community, most recently serving as marketing chair for the University of Kansas Hospital Advancement Board. She is co-founder of 100 Jobs for 100 Moms, a program that provides jobs that include mentors for women who have transitioned out of addiction. Within our industry, Janie was elected to the PPAI board in 2012, currently serves on the board of A Brand Company, named Volunteer of the Year and Membership Chair for PPAM, and is an active Promo Kitchen mentor. Janie led a discussion at SKUCon on building the agency model. As one of the earliest adopters of the agency model, throughout Janie's career, she learned many lessons and shared her evolution as an agency-minded business, including billing for time, how to price work, developing your creative team, compensation challenges, and just the practicalities of opening up a conversation with your customers to expand your service offering. Today's episode is courtesy of CommonSkew, the effortless business management platform that powers you to process more orders and grow your business. For more information or to start your free trial, visit commonskew.com. And now from SKUCon in Las Vegas, Janie Gons. We're going to talk about creating the agency approach. So my assumption is if the, you're here right now, you have some aspiration of doing something a little more than just purveying promotional products. If you don't, it's no big deal. Because in my opinion, there are so many people in this space that sell so much in promotional products and make a ton of money. So good for them and good for us when we sell promotional products. But the fact of the matter is, I aspired to have a little bit more in the world that I brought into my customers. I came from uh, the radio business, as a matter of fact. So I grew up around agencies. I grew up with uh, talking about cost per points, cost per thousands, um, you know, gross impressions, all that stuff. So that did not deter me. What I think is interesting is that being in the radio business, we always thought of ourselves as a little bit second best to TV and to the glamorous print and all of that. But you know what? We really weren't. It's about how you use that medium. And the people that were really good in radio sales were the ones that could create this whole theater of the mind. And so I feel like we brought that feeling to Grapevine. And we have always had a banner for us called Aspire to Grapeness. So I have my Grapeness t-shirt on today. But that's why I talk about it's what you aspire to. That's all it's about. And so my thought is, if this inspires you, great. And if it doesn't, 
Um, sorry. So, <laughs> so I wanted to talk about what does it mean to think about having an agency focus for your company? When does it make sense? How would you start it? Who would be on your team? And why would you even do it? A lot of questions. So these are a few pictures from inside the walls of Grapevine. I spent a boatload of money on our facility. It looks beautiful. It looks like our brand. If you got something in the mail and you were a customer and you were intrigued enough to do business with us and you came to our environment, you would think, wow, this looks like what they sent me. Because brands should do that. They should be the same. In, in, in fact, Renya, I think what she talked about lent very well into a little bit about what we're talking about. So the best money I ever spent was the money in our office so that when clients come, we have a customer experience and a tour that we do, and we tell a story about what we do for them. So these are just a few fun pictures of what our environment looks like. This is a huge write-on wipe-off board with big magnetic words that's super fun. Um, we've won a lot of awards for our creative work, we're, we're proud of. This is our wall of employees under the Aspire to Grapeness. So we love that. We do all of our own photography, and we do some photography for our customers as well. This is an example of when we have really done a, a good job in the agency experience, meaning we created the brand strategy, we created the logo, we created the brand standards, we took all of that and we were able to then take it across substrates for this particular promotion for this brand. So, you know, it's not that the white C handle mug is that cool of a deal or the journal book or anything. That's what the client ended up needing for this promotion. But the fact of the matter is, is this all was from our creative team. And that's the value of bringing the agency approach to our business. This is another example where a client of ours said, hey, we are, having, we are hosting 100 of our marketing people from across the United States in our environment. Not, not grapevines, but their environment. And we need, not only do we need you, Janie, to put together an hour-long conversation about brand passion, but what we also want is a pop-up shop for this new merchandise to uh, talk about our new brand, branding called Create Amazing. And so we went to their site, we toured the site, we, of course we'd been there before, but we found, you know, where is the best place for this pop-up shop? And then knowing that we're in a sea of glass and it's beautiful and open, how do we pop that brand for them and create something that is a very unique experience in shopping for their teams? And then we applied their branding to the merchandise and created the signage and hang tags and all kinds of things. So that's more of an experiential idea. This is an example of an award-winning piece that we produced um, several years ago for a um, publicly traded tech company, and it is a, an annual report. Now, what was fun about it was, A, it's a big print piece, and we did it ourselves. You didn't want an award. But B, their tagline was expansive growth coast to coast. And so the way that we were able to show that is this giant pop-up and all that iconography that we designed to really enhance and show what their attributes were in this annual report. So that's an example of the level that our team is capable of rising to. This is an example, it's on one of our shelves right now, of a piece that we designed for a meeting company 
Um, they had a trip. The trip was called the cab meeting. It was in Florida. So we had a little surfboard on top of a little cab, packaged in a crate. We do a lot of really great packaging and fulfillment. And, and I feel like this conversation assumes that we have spent a lot of time with our branding, and we have spent a lot of time understanding what our niche is, and it always has been creative and fulfillment and ex really excellent packaging and kidding. That's, we weren't very good in programs, and, but we, we have a partner now with a brand company, and the reason we did that was because we weren't very good in programs, and I felt like I needed to have better tools, and so that's another long story that we could have that conversation on. But this is another, just an example of things that are in our office. So back to the real subject. What is the agency approach, and how do you know you're there? We've had conversations about this from time to time as we have explored growing in this area, and really it's about if you're doing this, you should be in control of the budget that the client gives you to spend. Now that budget could be simply the promotional products budget, it could be their media budget, it could be any number of budgets that all of a sudden you get to control for them. But generally speaking, you would be in control of the budget. You would be billing out employee salaries. How many people here actually are billing out time for people? Okay, two or three, good. So that's a huge deal. I mean, let's face it, ad agencies make the bulk of their money on retainers and hourly fees that they're billing out. And so we make all of our money on promotional products and oh, guess what? We can also bill out our clients if we figure it out and get there. So it's a beautiful thing. If you're really doing the agency work, you are involved in strategy. Now, that's something we're growing into. We probably have had a couple of instances where we've really been involved in strategy because at the level of clientele that we're dealing with, you, there's generally an agency of record all, already there. So we play in this glorious space between the agency of record and the brand team. So we're not doing a lot of strategy, but we're starting to. And we're starting to because we have a client, and it's a very large client, that we're doing it. So it just, it's a little bit of happenstance how we got there, but that's part of where we're headed. You also would be um, having an ROI focus on many things that you do. So if you're building a direct mail campaign, you are actually building in some sort of uh, phone number uh, way that they can do call tracking or you know any number of ways that the client is then getting data, data and then they are analyzing the data and then they are making shifts and changes in the work that you're providing them in order to make it better the next time. So you really have more of an ROI focus when you're working in this world. And then these things ultimately get you a seat at the CMO table. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't sit at that same table with a wonderful package of promotional products. Because let's face it, the CEO down to whoever love what we do. And I find that to be almost funny most of the times. You, you, you walk in with your samples and you're talking to the person that's buying them and she's a meeting planner and, and then all of a sudden you have six of these head honcho people coming in and they have a huge opinion about it. And so, you know, you can have that same seat at the same table. It just depends on what your focus is and what you want to talk about. 
The reality is you've got to prove that you can solve a problem for them in order to do this. And so these are the biggest things that you're going to solve that are going to flip a switch for them. It's going to be time. You're going to save them time. Now, the real reason you're going to save them time is because a real ad, ad agency is slow. <laughs> They're usually, they have more hierarchy. They're just slower. Either that or we're just super fast. I can't really figure out which. But we deliver quickly. And, and I tell clients, hey, we are going to save you time and we are going to save you money. And the money part is real. And, and you know it's real because if you've ever talked to anybody in the ad agency business, well, for instance, in Kansas City, a really good friend of mine, several very good friends, um, one in particular, I was having a conversation. I said, you know, what are you guys charging? Just tell me what you're charging. And he said, well, you know, we like to try and get 250 to 350 an hour. And I'm like, yep, we're going to make them money because <laughs> we're not charging 250 to 350 an hour. But we are charging at least a 50% margin on the hourly rates of the people that we have working on these projects. I mean, that's margin. And that's, you know, that can be big money. So we're going to save them time. We're going to save them money. And honestly, I think because of the way we think, our ideation is always so much better. I mean, we have access to things agency people don't even dream of. And if they do dream of it, guess what? They make us clean up the mess and figure out how to do it. So our ideation is better because not only do we know how to do it, it's going to integrate. It's going to be, you know, yes, here's the brand statement. Yes, here's where we're going. But yes, here's what we're going to do for your events. Here's what we're going to do for your direct mail. Here's what we're going to do for your employee incentive. Here's what your HR is going to do for recruiting. It's going to all be integrated. And guess what else? It's going to be a one-stop shop. So you're not having to farm all this stuff out to all these different people and try and corral it back in and then get it accounted for properly within your organization. It's going to be a one PO kind of deal. That is speaking, that's, you're singing music to their ears when you're talking about these things. And that's where we try to focus. So just to give you a feel of where we started, and I know Kate and I have had this conversation before, you know, we started in promo. Um, and I actually just, a friend of mine was doing it um, back in 96, and I thought, gosh, this is really cool, it's flexible, I think I can make a lot of money, it's super creative, and um, I started. And it blew up. And so here I am 20 years later or whatever, but it, w it wasn't just promo then in 96. I mean, it was really adding print, it was adding packaging, and, and the cat, we actually made catalogs of merchandise that we were bringing to the table for our customers that were unbelievably cute for 90, 1996. I mean, I look back at that and go, whoa. But we also had designers. I, we rarely outsourced designers. Now that's a personal thing, because I know I have sat in conversations with other distributors where they're sending all their art to India. Well, you know what? By the time you package, we're not talking about logo drops. I'm talking about creating graphic design, like things that I've already showed you, things that have print or brochures or, I don't know, websites. So we're not packaging up a logo and sending it or asking for a vector redraw. I mean, it's stuff that by, if our creative director tried to package up what she needed to send it to India, it would, she might as well have done the job. There's that much involved in it. So we added design, we always had fulfillment. 
and kidding. And the kidding is, um, it can be the mundane to the mysterious. And we have, we test our kidding and so that it always looks the same when it gets to the site that it's intended for. But um, I don't outsource my kidding because to me it's hands-on, it has to be perfect in the end. So then we finally started looking at program business and we now do programs. But then we added print fulfillment because we were already doing program fulfillment. And so the print fulfillment became print on demand, it became, um, well, I'll, I'll get to the next one, it became automated services. So let's say you have 150 dealers out in the field and you as the marketing director want to be able to have a print component or a series of print components. You want that person to be able to go online, recolorize, resize the logo, resize the thing, hit a button, it prints from the print shop and Maybe they add variable data printing to it. I mean, who knows? So we have a system that can do that. Production services is an area that we've picked up in the past year. And what that means is one of our clients has 100 ads that are going out in first quarter. And so they have a production agency that creates the schedule for all of these newspaper ads and magazine ads and ad ads that are going who knows where. That schedule comes to us and our creative team then creates all those ads and gets them back out the door. So that's the production services side that we've added. We talked a little bit about strategy. We're not doing a lot of it, but we are doing a couple of rounds of strategy with a couple of our clients. The advertising part, we're creating the ads for a variety of um, print and uh, digital sources. We're doing social media for at least one client right now. And we're getting ready to launch a digital media buying platform that we are white labeling that is, are you familiar with programmatic advertising buying? Um, it's a little different than, it's, it's kind of like where buying is going now for digital media. So that's new and coming, and then web design. So it didn't happen yesterday, it happened over a period of time and the thing that has been, I think, the hardest as a business owner is it's important to create an environment where your people thrive and they want to be able to bring services to their customer. And my job is to make it easy for my producers to take it to their customer. So how do I do that? Well, A, I have to try and understand what it is to and how it works. It's not my forte, so it's really hard for me. I mean, I'm more of a creative person who loves promo and likes to do custom things. I'm not a tech head, I'm a late adopter. I mean, I'm just not that person. So I've had to spend a lot of time helping to find the right things that are going to help propel my people to be able to bring these services to their customers. So when you look at the whole agency world, you know, there are just a lot of different agencies out there. And I'm saying this because when you think about how would I even get started, or maybe I already have started, but what, what am I? Where, where would I start? Well, if you look at this wheel and say, you could probably splice this another 47 ways of other agencies that call themselves agencies. I mean, there's just a lot of agencies in the world that have specialties. Well, we have a specialty. We're a promo shop. I mean, we're a promotional marketing agency. And oh, by the way, we do a lot of other things. And so I started thinking, you know, 
Agencies do the same thing. They come up with a bunch of different services that they offer or capabilities. This is an example of you know, what's being offered in the agency world all day long and probably three more pages of things like this. So you look at that and you say, gosh, if I could do or add a couple more things to our quiver that would help us grow a customer or help us land more new clients, what would those things be? Well, maybe, maybe it's here. I honestly think this is the easiest area to add, is the graphic design um, copywriting. A, because I like to write. B, because graphic design is more fun. Um, but you know, maybe you're um, somebody who's really techy. Maybe you want to add, um, you know, something that's in, involved in the whole, you know, development of a website or digital or you know whatever. Pick a place and start is is the name of the game. And because once you start doing it for one person, then you have a success story and you can take it to the next person and so forth and so on. But I didn't know what a persona development was until several years ago when we needed to figure out for a client, you know, what is that? And so it's a very educational process. So is there an easy way to start? Yes, buy an agency. Are you really, seriously? If I had to do it over again, I think I would go out and find um, a social media group or a, uh, a group that's dedicated to doing digital media and buy them. I mean, that would be really easy. I mean, it's provided they you know, really have a great account list and all of that, because then you can merge. So the reality is, is what really makes you happy? So if you think about that list or you think about anything that you could add into your world that brings you more in the agency services line, what makes you happiest? And I say that with all due respect because just because you think you write good copy and that might be your entree, is it really what you want to do the rest of your life? Because you'll start doing a lot of copy. And so you have to be careful and really decide what you're going to do. And maybe you don't want to do anything, and that's cool too. So what are your best options, though, of additional services that make sense for your current clients? So evaluate your current clients and say, just you know, talk to them. Who's your agency of record? What services do they really provide? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What, where do you see yourself going? Are, are there things that your competition's doing that you're not getting done? But somewhere in the background of all of this is forming relationships with companies who do some of the things that we've just talked about. So for instance, the marketing automation services, we didn't have a relation, I mean, we just found somebody, we got to know all of their services, so we now have a relationship and a contract between us that we can use when we need that service. The programmatic digital media buying. A friend of mine happens to work for the number one company in the United States that does that. So I took her to lunch, picked her brain, brought her in several times, shared her capabilities with our staff. So part of what my job is when I talk about creating that environment is creating an environment where my people are learning so that they can really talk the same language with their customers as best they can because unless you're immersed in it all day long, you're not gonna know what they know, but it's important that you can talk that language with them. So you have to say what are the best options for your current clients and then 
the decision to do you invest in the talent or white label. I bring that up because we recently hired a woman last summer who came from an agency in a vertical market that we are doing a ton of work in now. And so we spent a lot of money to bring her to us. But the value that she brings is she has a head full of research. She developed proprietary research. She knows exactly how the competition landscape plays. She is bringing us a wealth of knowledge. So we invested in that talent. Now, if we get to the point where we get to actually do this digital programmatic buying, we will be white labeling that until such point where we can actually do it ourselves. So there's a little bit of a method to our madness in terms of how we're either investing or white labeling. But you know, think about it, we white label stuff all day long. You know, if you're running a Bright Stores, you're white labeling, you know, software to run your program. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to think about, you know, who are grapevines producers? Just, you know, like, I don't know, I always wonder, what kind of people work at your, at your distributorship? But, so I have a guy who's been with us for a couple of years. He's a new business guru. He opened 33 new accounts last year. I don't know about you guys, but, and I still sell for Grapevine. That's a lot of new accounts. And um, he was the number one in sales nationally for Groupon. So it comes to him, uh, you know, he just is that kind of a guy. So love that. We have a, a woman who I call the merchandiser extraordinaire. She totally loves and shoots up on merchandising. And so it, if, if she had her dream, you know, she would be creating a beautiful closet full of clothes for every one of our customers, and it would all be very brand appropriate for every customer. And she just has that way of thinking about apparel, and then can extend that to all kinds of graphic design and packaging. I mean, she's just amazing. And then um, my strategist is the person that really is at a high level in terms of agency functioning, and she is all over many of the things that we've just spoken about. I have two people who are financial industry pros. They came from the banking industry, and they service that line of accounts for us, which is great, so they have that knowledge. A couple of what I call just lifetime salespeople. I would be the lifetime sales manager, because that's what I did. Um, I call the OCD tailor, a girl that we have on board who came from the production side of promo products, which if you lived through the production side, you know that you have to be OCD to make sure that everything gets handled correctly. And then we have someone I call the storyteller because she just does such an awesome job of taking a customer's story and weaving it into everything that she brings to the table for them. So uh, some other questions that I think are, you know, we kind of talked about, have you ever considered merging your business into, uh, you know, another agency? I mean, think about it. They need our products. They have a client list. You could definitely help their clients. I mean, it, it could be a match made in heaven. So I, I said that laughingly earlier, but honestly, it's a, it's a great way to, to merge together, whether it's a real merger or it's just a partnership. And then how do you sell your services inside and outside? And I think that's important to distinguish because we have a capabilities deck that takes a customer through what we do. And it's not just promotional products, it's um, strategy, it's production, it's design, it's fulfillment and kidding, it's, I can't remember what the other two are. 
We're getting ready to turn that more into a solutions deck as opposed to a capabilities deck just because I think the market's going that way. But the most important thing there in that sentence is the inside. How do you sell going down the agency model inside if you're working for someone else or you're working for a larger company that may or may not believe in the direction that you want to go? Because there are things that are involved like accounting or um, you know, the way you're compensated may come into play. It just There are a lot of things that I have uncovered going down some of these different directions, not the least of which is cost for investment of talent or investment in some tool that we now have decided we need. So those are things that you're going to have to sell inside. And then how do you price your work? So we have a rate card. I don't use it very often, but we have it. And the bigger reason to having it is to make sure everyone's on the same playing field internally, the reps. Um, but you know, we have a creative team of six right now, headed up by our creative director. And so she knows what she's pricing for spec work, for um, production work, for uh, display work. So she has all of her pricing. But then we have copywriting pricing or uh, IT's time. We have pricing for that. So there's probably, I don't know, seven or eight things on our rate card that we can use if we need to. So, but then if you go and hire an expensive employee, Clearly, her time isn't going to be on that rate card, so you have to make sure you're adequately charging for that time as well. This is something that we actually started doing a long time ago, and that's tracking the time that we spend because you have to ultimately bill it. And we created a wonderful program out of uh, FileMaker years ago. And actually, we used to run our whole company on FileMaker. We, we just have to export it into Great Plains for accounting purposes. But the bottom line was we created a digital asset storage platform where we can store all of the work we do by customer, whether it's we store their logos, we store their brand standards, we store their uh, any art we've produced for them. Anything that we have on file is produced. And that is, it's well over a terabyte of art storage and digital storage for our customers now. I would highly recommend that you do that. We also photograph anything that we do that is more than a white sea handle mug or a bag. If we've touched it, decorated it, added print material, done anything to it, we're photographing it. And we're putting that in the client's archive as well. And the reason we do that is because at the end of the year, we give our clients a digital archive of the work we've done for them. So they have that file. And it's something that you know nobody else is doing. And it looks really great. So we have a photography studio. And it's, it's busy capturing all that work. So we learned early on to break our work down into 15-minute increments. When I need to access our creative department, I'm filling out an art request form. I'm hitting send and it goes to the creative team, and I will have filled out a form that says basically, here's where you'll find the art, here's any new art that, that I have in an attachment, here's what we're looking for, I need it in a week, or whatever it is. I hit send, it goes to them. They then put it into their queue, and they have a couple of ways that they are working between FileMaker and a Google thing that they use to manage the time of these six people. And you know what's interesting? I have big clients who don't have that 
I find that to be an unsophisticated system. I mean, but we've been doing it for years, and if you looked at it, you would be like, oh my God, that's a lot of data. But I have, uh, J.P. Morgan Bank in New York City didn't have that a couple of years ago, and I was like, really? How do you, how do you keep track of the work that you're doing for your, your constituents inside? But anyway, this is a different system. What I was just telling you about was how we track internal time that our producers are using for their customers, okay? This is FunctionFox, and it is a uh, project management tool, piece of software that we now use to manage one of our customers in particular. In fact, several in this vertical. Because the team that is working on this, there are six people who are working on this team, and they are all billing out their time, and they all need to know where they are in the production cycle. So if, when they get 100 ads that are coming in, they've got to be able to slot those out, assign them out, get the time right, get the pricing right, and be able to bill it. So I asked my agency buddies, I said, what do you guys use? And so ultimately after we looked through, we found Function Fox and we thought this is the one that we, that we want to work with. So again, an expense. Again, you got to sell it inside, but this is something that they're really loving working with. I bring this up because accounting is that elephant in the room. And if there's one thing I know, uh, we have really tested our accounting teams um, because I, I have one person who's billing, you know, almost a thousand POs in a month. And there's a reason for it, and I won't bore you with those details, but I mean, that's a shit ton. And it's hard. And so there's that, or we create this um, enormous direct mail thing that has 10 components, and you know, they've got to bill it out in weird things. So, and then, you know, maybe we're doing a big direct mail thing, and all of a sudden we're doing pass throughs on $190,000 worth of postage. Well, you know, you got to tell accounting that kind of stuff. So those are things that I have encountered along the way that I try and really keep my accounting people right here in my hip pocket and keep them informed uh, just to make their lives easier as we go. The other thing that is also an elephant in the room that I didn't put on here uh, that is interesting, and I don't really want to get into a big conversation about it because it opens up a can of worms, but compensation. You know, agencies don't compensate the way we do. And so there is a fine line between how a producer who wants to go down this road and invest and even bill back time and blah, blah, blah. I mean, how do you help her and how do you maintain your margins and, and your ratios? So that's an elephant in the room as well. So finally, you just have to say, why would you do this? You know, it sounds like a lot of extra work. The biggest reason is you're going to keep your clients longer. Nobody's going to be able to outbid you. Nobody even cares that much what the price of any promotional products are. Because generally speaking, you're coming to them with a big bundle of stuff, and it's become so unimportant what the cost of any of it is. It's the bundle and what it looks like and the value that they see that you're bringing to the table, nobody can compete with that. So number one, you may keep your clients longer. Number two, you already have an existing revenue base. So 
for heaven's sakes, agencies don't have, I mean, when they started their agency, they may not have had an existing revenue base like we have. And so why not go and try to build out capabilities and keep your customers longer and make more money from them? And then finally, that great thing that I, I hate hearing about, that you know we're all competing against Amazon and you know it's all commodity and you know the people who are providing the best value add are the ones that are going to survive. Well, you know, it's probably true somewhere down the road. Is it now? Is it 30 years from now? I mean, who knows? But at some point, you know, there's a lot of commodity out there on the intranet, intranet, so maybe it will help us survive longer. I don't know. So finally, I put this slide up here because it, it kind of makes me laugh. My son gave my husband a set of juggling balls for his birthday. And mainly, it's a long story, but we were juggling, juggling a lot of balls. But I started picking up those balls and trying to juggle them. And I actually have tried to juggle before, and I'm not good at it at all. It's very, very difficult. And, but in the middle of trying to learn to juggle again, I was thinking, you know, I just am trying to juggle these balls every day in my life, but I've never stopped long enough to really learn the fine art of juggling. And I'm saying that because every day we juggle so many balls, and really what makes me happy is when I see a great piece of art or some wonderful design that we've done to answer a customer's need or we've created something really cool. And I just think we need to just celebrate those things more often. And I personally do, so I would just say, you know, stop and smell the roses. And that's my visual for that. But so thank you for listening. I hope it was helpful in some way. Any questions? Yeah. Yeah, so uh... Thank you, that was really interesting. And it's, I think, something that a lot of uh, distributors struggle with and mm -hmm. where they go. So my question is more, you know, when you were getting started and making this shift to the agency mm -hmm. from maybe a promo you know, service, and they were asking you to do things, I'm assuming that you weren't selling the service before you, before you were asked, meaning clients were asking you to do something you hadn't already done before, and that's when you're adding these services. Oh, sure, we'll try it, this and that. If that is the path that you took, were you were you ever worried about eroding their trust because you were taking on something that you didn't have expertise in and maybe it wasn't going to go as well as you planned? Yes. And, and so how did you overcome that or did you, did, did you have conversations with clients that was pretty frank up front, this is not what we do, we will do this for you, we expect more reward if we're successful. Like, how did that well, so a couple of things. A lot of times that comes from the, um, my fear, you know, I, I mentioned that we had hi hired uh, companies that we would then ultimately white label. So that protects us a little bit. So it kind of depends on what facet we're talking about. When you see that laundry list of stuff that Grapevine has done, the, the areas where I have found that we have bordered on the edge of mm, um, have to do with really, um, complicated fulfillment and kidding things. And I could write a book. I mean, we, we've just done it for so long, and there's a lot of tribal knowledge that goes on now, and um, I mean, big, huge projects that have many moving pieces, and that's when we learn to really test drive. 
I mean, if you give a customer a photograph of what their thing is supposed to look like, and then you put it in a box, and then you ship it UPS ground to New Jersey from Kansas, and then you have someone open that box and take a picture, you'll know if you're getting it done correctly, and that's how we test that. But th those actually are the things that bother me most. The other times, it really, I mean, we, we have hired good people that know what they're doing, or we have white labeled in an instance where we weren't as sure. Because you're right, you don't want to blow it. Um, and it may be your first go around, but you gotta have the first one. And so how do you ensure? Yes? Who do I like to use for packaging? Oh my God, how many days do you have? I mean, oh gosh, you know. It, it depends on what we're packaging. I mean, I, I'll tell you what I find interesting is how much more packaging is being done by suppliers now. You know, it's, it is nice. Um, makes me wish they were around a long time ago, but you know, all the, we have packaged things. When I think of packaging or kitting, one time we individually polybagged with a polybagging machine two million gummy pumpkins. I mean, why would you do that? You'd have to be crazy, but we did. I mean, that's stupid stuff. But you know, there's always the gauge and gauge and the willow lines and the, you know, the U line. I mean, that's really uh, industrial, but you know, I don't know. There's a, a ton of people that we use for packaging. But it's trying to find something that really matches a customer's brand is the most important thing. Yes? Both. Honest to God, it depends on the customer. There's one customer who has so many business units and we wish we could give them one big summary bill, but we can't because they have a big investor group and every investor group wants their own bill. So that, we can't summary bill. So, but generally speaking, I mean, if I'm quoting something to a customer that doesn't need that kind of a summary bill, I will create a statement of work and bill it off of that statement of work, like one big giant description, you know? So that makes it easier. Yes, a statement of work that you write. Sure. And you, feel free to call me if I can help you with that. So for those of us who don't charge for it's always been something I've wanted to do, but is it like how do you start that process with existing clients that you've never charged? You say, you know what, um, our spec art right now is free. We have a new policy. We're doing spec work for free, and looky here, this is what we did for you. Woohoo! Doesn't it look great? And the next time, just so you know, our creative rates are $85 an hour for blah, 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 and for blah, 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 it's 120 or whatever it is. And just tell them. And they get it. No, we charge for our creative and everything else. We've done that. Uh huh. Oh, you know what? I do believe that it takes a certain client to, you know, you have to understand who are they already using? And if they're already using them, you're cutting into somebody's time, especially on this production. Uh, when I was talking to you about the hundred things that were coming down the pike, I mean, 
They're do, we're getting that work from somebody, and somebody was already doing that work, and so, of course, they were being charged for it, so it's just a matter of us charging for it as well, but you would just have to s decide if I'm investing in a human being to do research to bring this to the table for you, hopefully I have talked about that up front. We would love to do this for you, and we're going to bring this research to the table. It's going to be $565. It's, that will give you four hours of research time. If we end up going over, we'll rebill it back at $125 an hour or something like that. But just trying to just state very matter-of-factly up front. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.